0: The following podcast is a green fresh media production. Hey Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual podcast. If you're new here, welcome to the show. My name is Stacey and I am the co-founder and host of the Business Casual. Here at the Business Casual, we bring you new and fresh guests every other Tuesday in areas such as business, tech and entrepreneurship. If you're joining us on Spotify, feel free to watch our first ever video podcast to give you a more engaging insight into our conversation with our guest. So this week, we are chatting with Leila Raffi, who practices capital markets and securities law with a focus on investment funds and asset management. She advises on a broad range of corporate and security law matters and has a transactional practice. Leila is recognized by Best Lawyers in Canada 2022 as a leading lawyer in the area of corporate law. Currently, Leila is a professor for an introductory securities course at the Queen's University Law School and in the past has taught at both the University of Windsor Law School and Western Law School. Our conversation today dives more into what it truly means to be a corporate lawyer, how you can be successful in the practice of law, and how to avoid burnout. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right. Hey, Trailblazers. Welcome back to the Business Casual. I'm so excited to welcome this week's guest, Layla. Hi, Layla. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. I'm really excited to be here today. I think it's a wonderful podcast that you started with your sister.
0: Oh, thank you so much. How has your first month of the 2022 year been so far?
1: Uh, it's been good. I mean, I have to say I was pretty happy when the lockdown got lifted yesterday. I was out last night for dinner. It was nice to join the land of the living again. I'm hoping that we don't go into another
0: lockdown. Uh, how about you? For sure. I feel the exact same way. School is starting up again. Next week, we'll be back in person. Things are opening up, getting back to dinner parties, which it's Flows perfectly into our icebreaker question for today, which is who would be your dream party guest and why? it's an interesting
1: question I, I had to think about it um and honestly i think i would have to say it would be madonna uh, okay. i've always uh, loved madonna i've seen her in concert so much and i think she is uh incredible i think she has business acumen i think she's a wonderful performer i think she's very unaffected by what people think of her and i think we saw her reinvent herself throughout the course of her career uh and live in a very intentional way and so i would love to kind of sit down with her and get to know her as a person i initially thought of people who had passed away when i read the question and then i thought well why do they have to be dead
0: It <laughs> can be someone alive so i think that's who i would choose i think that's a great dinner party guest and she'd be able to put on a great show at the end so it'd be the perfect dinner party moment i love that now that's i i also Appreciate Madonna. I definitely wasn't in her era, but she is someone who I think, like you said, especially throughout her career, has really reinvented herself and has been someone throughout the eye of pop culture who's always been a trendsetter and Absolutely. definitely a trailblazer, which we love trailblazers here in the business casual. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she really pushed a lot of boundaries, and she wasn't afraid to do it. And I think she actually opened up the opportunity and door for a lot of the musicians um, after her and performers after her. Like Lady Gaga, I think, got inspired by Madonna, if you look at her style and and everything else. So to me, she's a, a very unique individual.
0: I am a huge Lady
1: Gaga fan. (laughs)
0: i I
1: also really like lady gaga and i'm happy to see that she's quite talented as an actress too yes we have have good
0: taste in both the actresses and uh musicians so i love that Um, i know i introduced you at the beginning of the show but i'd love to hear in your own words how you you would describe your career your personality and maybe some of your passions
1: Sure. Um, I would describe myself as, as fairly ambitious, pretty tenacious, and uh, very passionate. I always wanted to be a lawyer from when I was about four years old. And so I think my career just got formed that day in terms of steps I started to take towards that goal. Um, My career has been bumpy. There's been a lot of uh, turns and unexpected things that have happened throughout the course of my career. I've I've been at three law firms. So right now I'm at my third law firm and I've been here for almost six years. Um, But I'm so grateful because I have an amazing career and File and I do what I love and I'm challenged every day with different opportunities. And I work with a variety of clients in different industry areas. So um, in terms of choosing and selecting a career, uh, career, I think I pretty much hit the jackpot.
0: That's amazing that you're so passionate and you love what you do because something that people always say and they say, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But I think it's very easy to say that saying rather than actually living in it. And so it's an interesting balance between finding something that you really enjoy and having to be able to do that as your career. And I For think sure. you, you just mentioned it, you, know, you knew you wanted to be a lawyer at the age of four, which is such a specific age. Do you remember the moment or was there something that inspired that particular career?
1: Yeah, I was always negotiating and arguing against small rules with my parents, and so I thought, in my mind, being a lawyer was arguing and debating and walking to court every day to make my point, so I liked um, the idea of it, no one in my family was a lawyer, they were all scientists and engineers, so it wasn't something I had kind of seen in my family but I had heard about it and and um thought that it probably suited my personality uh so I I started um thinking about that and when I was young I think I was eight or nine years old I wrote a letter to Harvard saying (laughs) I wanted to apply in the future and I couldn't wait and they actually wrote me back I couldn't believe that a lot uh uh law school of that caliber would take the time to write back a child. But that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's so funny. I have a friend from high school who he always says to me, I'm one of the only people that he knows that was so sure of what I wanted to do in grade nine and stuck to it and did exactly that. And I always joke with him that I knew far before (laughs) grade (laughs) nine. But um yeah, it's just it's something that just came to me and I went with it. So
0: seem to work out. Definitely. And one of my first questions I wanted to ask you is that being a lawyer, there are a lot of processes that you have to go through, and there's a lot of roadblocks along the way. So having known at such a young age you wanted to be a lawyer, did you feel added pressure to really get to that goal? And there's already a lot of stress. I have a lot of friends who are currently thinking about writing the LSAT, studying for it. What do you remember about the early days of that process of really getting to the lawyer title?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic question. At the time that I went through school, there there wasn't really kind of this pre-law concept where there were undergraduate classes kind of geared towards law. It was a lot more general, so I went into a political science degree and a uh, sociology degree because I thought that kind of made the most sense. Um, I put off writing the LSAT uh, until the bitter end. I don't uh, recommend people do that. It's, It's not a fun exam by any stretch and it definitely is not great when you're writing it with the expectation and hope to go to law school the following year. So if I could do it again, I would actually stand up to my fear earlier and write it in my second or third year of undergrad. And I actually make that point to a lot of the mentees I have at University of Toronto. I I work with this women's association and I try and always tell them there's never a great time to write it, but it's really wonderful if you can do it kind of before rubber hits the road. In my case, I was so nervous about law school that I thought, getting a master's was probably a really good idea to beef up my application even though my grades were so high I thought I also had to do that and then I realized once I got into programs in England and and did all the legwork that I actually probably didn't even need that so it was this rush of like not going into my master's program and signing up for the LSAT having an insane amount of pressure on me uh, and hoping um, I did okay and and I did end up doing okay on the LSAT, um, but I would not recommend that that be the the path that anyone takes. So I I think it's a, a good thing to just think about writing the LSAT, do one of the prep courses, have it in your back pocket, even if you're not sure about whether or not you want to go to law school, it's always there. I think it's valid for a number of years. If you write it early, if you feel like you didn't do well, I think you can retract the grade before you get it, or at least you could in my time. So I would really encourage people to, to think about that, particularly um, if they have a quiet semester or, or reading week or, or some time where they can dedicate towards kind of study. I mean, now I think there's so many opportunities and courses and sessions and information out there for people that want to go into law. I think that... Um, people should definitely utilize those resources as well. I don't think you have to take pre-law courses or do anything specific to law to get into law school, but I, I don't think it's harmful to try and you know seek out those types of informational resources that are out there. Um, certainly it can't harm you, it can only help you. I, I did a leadership conference on the weekend for U of T and a lot of the students I think are interested in law. So it's helpful to hear about what a lawyer actually. Actually does outside of law school. So, you know, to the extent people can do that, I think that's a great preparation for actually uh, going into the
0: program. it's interesting you bring up not having taken, you know, people don't have to take pre-law courses to get into law school. I've recently been hearing it's something that when I was in high school, people would say a law degree is really valuable. And so people now are kind of going to law school, with maybe not the end goal of ever even practicing law. Yeah. Is this something that, Maybe people, is it something that's new that's come out or is it something that you know a law degree might help you down the road? I know specifically you're more in corporate law, so is it something that would be beneficial to maybe someone that's not thinking of practicing law, but wants to do something related in business? You know, I think
1: law, and I always talk about this with my mom because uh, my parents have been so heavily invested in my uh, education and my career. It is such a good degree to have, it's respected globally. Um, I mean, you have to kind of uh, get the authority to practice in any jurisdiction that you go to. But in terms of um, being um, recognized as a a noble kind of profession, and a good degree to have, uh, it helps because it trains you how to problem solve, how to use um, your analytical ability, how to sharpen um, the type of questions that you wanna think about when you're faced with a problem. Uh, I think that the skills that you learn in law school are very transferable to a whole bunch of different careers. I also think a lot of people, you know, don't want to practice and they may not even know that in law school, but they may go into a law firm. Certainly Bay Street is not for everyone. There's only a small portion of of lawyers that end up practicing for their full career on Bay Street, but I have friends from law school that have done a variety of things. Some of them are just in philanthropy. Some of them have started their own businesses. One of my close girlfriends is my real estate agent and she just helped me buy a condo (laughs) down the street. So the law, you know, she practiced for three or four years and then decided she didn't wanna do that. For her, it's useful to have the degree because she actually understands the mechanics of the purchase and sale agreement and has a lot more insight into the process than just a typical real estate agent does. Also, having a law degree just helps you in life, like with life skills. When you go to rent a car, when you go to get married and you, you know, rent a venue and you're looking at the contract, like so much of uh, life is around promises and contracts and understanding your rights. And and the way that you learn to think in law school is something that kind of stays with you throughout the course of your life. So I think it's a fantastic degree to have. I definitely don't think it's something you have to um, practice with. It also Teaches you how to write um, in a pretty practical manner um, to the point. I know a lot of journalists are uh, lawyers or or trained uh, in law school. My boyfriend in law school uh, at the time wanted to very much be a politician, so that's why he was in law. I mean, now he's a family lawyer and he's quite successful, and he's not going to be a politician. Uh, But I think his his goal and ambition when he was in law school was to go into politics, and so that's another area that is. You know, very much open to you if you have a law degree. I think it's, I think it's a great degree. Um, I I do think it gives you credibility, um, and it's expensive, but but I would say it's always worth it. And it shouldn't just be kind of this narrow thought of if I have a law degree, I have to practice and it has to be on Bay Street and it has to be corporate securities law. Like I think there's kind of a a, a misnomer about that. There's definitely a ton of options available.
0: Just from hearing you. Give that answer I think I really need to start prepping for my LSATs as soon as <laughs> this podcast ends uh but very very true everything you mentioned it's interesting because I recently took a course uh at the University of Toronto and it was taught by a lawyer in Toronto and she focuses on entertainment law and oh, it was neat. interesting just yeah I feel like you don't think of the legal side no. everything you do there's a legal side to it and oh she totally. even mentioned how on a vacation she took down in the caribbean she was parasailing and you know there was a she went he was trying to tell her that there was a the contract that she was signing that basically if she got hurt nothing was like they couldn't do anything so she was just saying how in every aspect of her life even though she's in a very specific type totally. of law she's been able to apply it. and i think a lot of the skills you mentioned and nowadays you really do need uh some sort of masters degree for depending on what your career aspirations are but a lot more common now to see a masters of law or you know an MBA or whatever it might be there's a lot more post post grad that happening than, yeah, than people had I definitely- before
1: I definitely think that's true. I mean, I, I think an undergraduate degree on its own uh, can only take you so far. Uh, depending on kind of what you're going in, I mean, you could go into sales and and probably not even have an undergraduate degree and be wildly successful. But in terms of securing, you know, as many opportunities as possible, having a graduate degree um, or a technical degree like engineering or law is really useful. MBA, you know, I don't have an MBA. A lot of securities lawyers do have MBAs. Um, I'm still on the fence about an MBA in terms of how helpful it can be. It definitely isn't needed to go to law school or to be a securities or corporate lawyer, but there is kind of more of a focus on graduate studies. And, you know, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I spoke to a bunch of students at Osgoode on psychedelics because psychedelics is super interesting for people. Another area where a lot of people don't think about law when you well, think about definitely. psychedelics, right? <laughs> they're cool, they're uh hallucinogen drugs, like who 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 would think necessarily about the law, but there's set, you know, right regu- a whole regulatory regime around them. There's certain requirements on how you should describe them and and you shouldn't be overly really promotional. And I have all these different clients doing all these things. But again, like the law degree comes in handy because it just applies to every single industry area or activity that you're doing. It just depends on the type of law, which is why we have so many different types. And that's another benefit of of being a lawyer in law school. You don't have to have any idea what kind of law you want to practice. So you can just pick courses that you find interesting. And then when you start articling and then practicing, then you can kind of figure out exactly what area you want to focus on. There's just unlimited options.
0: Definitely. And I think One thing, you know, question I want to ask you as someone who's very involved in the education space and speaking with students on a day-to-day basis is what skills or traits do you think make a student successful in law school or that would make someone a successful lawyer?
1: being engaged and being interested can never be underestimated. So it's always clear to me when I'm teaching my Queen's course who's actually taking an interest. Um, I get I get questions during the class, but sometimes people are introverted and they're not, you know, comfortable raising their hand, especially in the virtual world. So I get questions afterwards or people make comments about newspaper articles they've read and it reminds them about something I've taught. I think you know, to circle back to what we said at the beginning, if you're passionate about what you do, you actually will just excel at it like it's one plus one equals two so um that that's why it's kind of important to find um something that uh inspires you and in law school there's just so much of a selection that you'll find that you'll you'll really um feel that you want to learn more about a particular area based on the class or the professor or whatever is happening in terms of the world at that moment. And so when you start um, practicing, I think you know, what we see with our younger lawyers is the ones that do really well are the ones that are not afraid to take risks. They're not afraid to um, do work that they haven't done and it's okay to make a mistake, um, but it's not okay to kind of hide in a law firm or try not to get the work or, you know, control every single thing that you're doing. I mean, you have to be open to error. You have to be open to doing things that you haven't done before. You have to be open to asking questions. So usually you'll have a mentor when you're a young student, um, and that mentor is supposed to help kind of the the student navigate through their hours, through their uh, projects, and make sure that they're getting the right instructions from the senior lawyer and they're not kind of spinning their wheels into a dark hole for like eight or nine hours before they start on something. But I think the students that are 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 the most uh, successful are the ones that are just engaged And I see that particularly with non-billable work. If I ask a student to do non-billable work, sometimes you know they're very eager and keen to do it and to learn. And then they ask, you know, what it's in relation to or if I'm speaking somewhere, they ask if they can attend or get the notes from it. And and those are the ones that I, I find myself constantly going back to because I want to give them more opportunities. I want to give them more experience. Having said that, we we are careful that, you know, we don't um, punish students for being introverted or or you know, make sure they're not getting opportunities because they're not raising their hands. So I think that again is, is the role of the mentor to make sure that they're getting the right exposure because people get exposure in, in um, to, to different lawyers and different practice areas depending on kind of what deals are happening. But I think the ones that do well are, are just the ones that wanna work really hard and, and aren't afraid because the best way to, to make a mistake is, is to be a student because there's very low expectations of you in the law firm nobody expects you to know the answer to everything. Um, And so there is some um, room to kind of learn and grow. And so students really should kind of take that opportunity and also just attend all the events that they have. So whether it's in law school or at a law firm or wherever else it is that they're articling, you know, if there's an event or if there's an information session or or something like that, uh, apply like participate, go to it because you just should kind of be um, in the state of mind where you're hungry to learn and you just want to kind of give yourself as many tools as possible to succeed.
0: So it sounds like sometimes the little things that a student does or the little things you can do at the beginning really does go a long way. And I think it's something that students sometimes overlook or they feel that those little things that they're doing don't make a difference. But I think just as you said, they do.
1: For sure they do. I had a student who is an amazing student who we hired and he helped me with a big project and he actually remembered and followed up from school asking how it actually went because he left two months before certainly didn't expect him to do that, but it just showed me again, you know how committed he was to My practice and and into the practice area. I've had other students who email me during the course of their law school year after they finish the summer, and that they say, you know, I read this article or I saw this program on TV and it's in relation to the law that you practice. Like, did you see it or here it is? I have students who are in our firm uh, contact me because of my bio and they say, you worked on this interesting project. Like, is there anything I can do to write a bulletin on it? Or or I did work in the gaming industry. So I had a student once say that they wanted to do something in the gaming industry with me, but they took the time to kind of learn about my practice, which was absolutely great. I also think, you know, We work pretty hard uh, at, at the law firms. I think wherever you work, whether it's a regulator, or in-house, or a law firm, as a young lawyer, you're going to work super, super hard. So not being afraid of, of that time commitment and kind of just making it clear that you're there to learn is always helpful for students. I mean, the caliber of, of the students that we've seen ha- have been it has been so high. I, I sometimes joke that I wonder if I would have gotten into law school if, if I was going through the process again now. I mean, my grades are really high, but some of these applications we see are pretty amazing in terms of the rounded experience that people have, or to your point, an actual graduate degree outside of law, or volunteer experience, or travel, or, you know, anything, we look for anything with resilience, Um, it doesn't have to be kind of uh, anything related to law, it just has to do with uh, having kind of a, a rounded experience and being able to do different things and adjusting and adapting and being resilient.
0: The bar is definitely being raised every day. I even see yeah. it the undergrad level and my sister now is applying to university. And I look at all the things she's accomplished just in high school and what her friends and Like her peers have accomplished, and it's it's really inspiring and also a little bit scary because you I have a I have a younger brother who's only in grade school, and I can't even imagine what the bar is going to be like by the time he's (laughs) applying for for grad school. One last question I wanted to ask you on this topic is on the topic of students reaching out, whether that be at the graduate level or in the professional setting. What is a mistake you see that students make either in networking or in reaching out that you want to share with our listeners so they don't make that same mistake? Sure, I think that's a great
1: question. I mean, I think sometimes students try and go for just the partner um, or the senior partner and they kind of um, disregard like the first or second or third year associate. And I think that's a mistake because the first or second or third year associate is a lot more connected to their experience um, and sometimes can be even more vocal when higher back comes. And more accessible when they're looking to, you know, find information about the law firm, um, and so I think that's that's a mistake, and and it's it's never good to treat different lawyers differently within a law firm. So you know, I think not necessarily focusing on people that are senior would be. Um, uh, Some advice I would give another piece of advice I would give for actual students is I find many of them say yes to everything. And then they're completely bombarded and overwhelmed and then they do a bad job on everything. And, you know, if we have lawyers that are giving students um, work opportunities, we're not necessarily cognizant of all the other work opportunities they are getting across the firm. Sometimes you know, we share that information. Again, the mentor is supposed to help with that, but sometimes we don't. So it's actually okay to say no. It's okay to say, um, I would love to work on this, but unfortunately I don't have the time. Um, perhaps when all my uh, files close or, you know, transactions and I can come back to you and see if you require assistance. But by the way, my peer or the person I share an office with or this other person in my year, year can help you. So that's a wonderful way of actually saying no, saying no and then providing a solution. But I, I think sometimes students are afraid to say no, or afraid to ask questions, and that is just, you know, the worst because um, we we don't know anything unless you tell us or express it to us. And I mean, we've all been a student, right? I, no one is a professional who hasn't been a student. So um, everyone's been there and everybody gets it. So I would strongly um, encourage people to uh, say no at times and to ask questions. And then when they're doing diligence on law firms to not just seek out uh, the, the person who's most senior or with the biggest profile. I mean, sometimes I get people who contact me because um i'm a woman or, or you know they're interested in my career development because of my gender or whatever else and i think that's fine that's great um, but never underestimate the value of some of the younger associates who are closer to sometimes closer to the student experience i mean sometimes there's older students but i'm just talking generally
0: i think it's also important for students to hear you say that it's okay to say no and that's something i wanted to talk to you a bit about is burnout and being at the point of your career where you're trying to make a name for yourself and you're obviously at the bottom of whatever hierarchy that you are in, whether that be in the law firm or in any other corporate structure. And a lot of students and young professionals, especially now virtually, have no boundaries and are having a really difficult time setting the boundaries between work, social life, and, and just time to yourself. So especially in The context of the law, where at the beginning, when you're articling, there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot you're learning. You're still really trying to figure out how everything works together. What was your experience like at that stage of your career? And how did you deal with burnout?
1: I think it's a great question. I mean, there's, there's so many things I want to say in response to it. Um, First off, when I was younger, it wasn't COVID. So we were actually in person. I, I was pretty hard on myself uh, throughout the younger years of my career. I worked all the time. I think if I was gonna go through it again, certain things I wouldn't do. For example, I wouldn't miss my grandmother's funeral. I wouldn't have missed my best friend's wedding. Um, I miss those things for for two deals. And I actually don't remember what the deals were because deals finish and then you move on. So, you know, when material life events happen, you should be there for them and you should show up within boundaries and reason. I mean just because you want to go to Muskoka on the weekend or something that doesn't mean that you say no to work and and not do it but certainly there will always be more work and and more deals. So it's something to think about. It's also really important to sleep and drink water and eat. I mean, there were years where I slept about three to five hours a night. Um, I think it's in COVID that I've realized how tired I've been over all these years because now I sleep seven to nine hours a night and I'm exhausted. And back then I was never exhausted. So I think I was just on pure adrenaline, but you have to treat yourself properly. So whether that means working out or um, taking 10 minutes a, a day to yourself or doing one or two things a week that are meaningful for you, whether that's a pottery class, spending time with your spouse, getting your nails done, uh, visiting a friend out of town, whatever it is, if you could kind of maintain that, it makes the kind of the grueling hours and expectations a little bit better. I think COVID has, has put a layer onto um, everybody's lives that has been more complex and challenging in a way you have more mobility and, and um you know you can wear your pajamas if you don't have a video call and that certainly wasn't acceptable in a law firm before but in another way as you say there's no line so constantly you're getting emails and and you wake up and you're doing your work and then you go to bed and you're doing your work you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like oh there's my computer i may as well do do work so it's really important to actually maintain a little bit um, of a social life and to maintain things that are important to you and whether that means you know from 5 to six thirty every weekday you're not going to look at your email or you shut your phone down for four hours on a Sunday night um, people do it in different ways for me I started to see a trainer and so I work out two or three times a week I never did that when I was a younger lawyer I, I probably would have thought that I didn't have time, but, but now I'm not going out for lunch and I'm not going out for drinks and, and other things like that. And so kind of I've, I've readjusted my time. But it's really important to, to think about burnout because a lot of young people, and I was one of them, they just think that they could keep going and they just have to finish this one deal and then it'll be okay and they'll take a break. But it, it never is really like that. Deals don't happen one after another. They happen at the same time. Uh, There is no real lull or break like there might be for a day or three days or five days, but you actually have to create them so. People will support you. Like your peers will support you. Um, other lawyers in the environment in which you're working will support you, and you're more effective. So just think about it. If if you do it, you're actually going to do better work. You'll be more effective. You'll probably be promoted faster. So like there is you know no real win for just um, doing everything that you can do without without a break. I remember my assistant back when I was a young lawyer one day she emailed me and she said, I don't know how you're still standing because she was doing my dockets and I was working, I think, you know, 14 to 18 hours a day for days, days on on a file that kept wanting to close, but didn't close. And I should have stood up and said, you know, I need help on this file. We need to pull in another lawyer. And And I didn't do that. So you just learn that as you get older. And I try and be cognizant of that with the younger lawyers that work on the files that I lead. I, I want to make sure that many times they just say yes to everything. And then I just check in and say, like, you shouldn't be saying yes to this. Like, you don't actually have enough time. And I'm just thinking about the work you're doing with me. And then they say, well, yeah, maybe you're right. Like, I, I shouldn't say yes. So it's just something that you've really, really got to think about and and do things for yourself. And when you work hard, you deserve you deserve to to do things. I mean, I used to think when I was younger, sometimes that it was indulgent to watch TV for an hour, or, you know, to to do this or that and and it's not I mean we're all human we all we all need breaks and I'm really happy to see a focus on mental health, uh, particularly in the legal industry, um, both through the industry organizations and law firms themselves and legal magazines like precedent. no one's uh, as shy as they used to be about talking about how important this issue is and COVID has, has definitely um, brought it to the forefront. Um, so I think it's something that young people should always keep in mind.
0: There was so much to unpack there, but it was such great advice and it's so important, I think, for young lawyers or aspiring lawyers to hear. And I think, like you said, now that you're in a more senior role, it's also about having that open dialogue with your manager and really having a space where you feel comfortable enough to really explain everything you have going on or being able to ask for help. And that's not something that it's easy, especially at the beginning when you really for want sure. to prove yourself and you want to prove that you're able to do that work. But like you said, if you're not able to complete the work at the highest standard that you know you want to hold yourself to because you're not being productive or you're not able to do it hundred percent on every single thing you're being given, then it's not really going to help you. If anything, it's only going to hinder you.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, your peers are there. I know law firms are competitive and law school is competitive. But everybody makes friends and so just remember you have peers and I know in a law firm environment I expect this at the regulator and at the bank and in house, there are mentors formal ones, but also informal ones, so you meet people in the elevator when it's not covered um, in other kind of. Um, you have opportunities to meet people. And then, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to them and say, hi, like, it was so nice to talk to you. I had a question on how to manage this. Or do you mind if I ask you how to do this? Or I'm a little confused on how this partner asked me to do this. Can you explain it to me? I've had that before. We're young people have called me and said that they don't understand a certain instruction and can I help them understand? And I'm like, absolutely, I can do it. So a mentor, a formal mentor has to and should do that stuff, but there's all kinds of informal people walking around. So people that you have access to or that you meet, like don't afraid of, don't be afraid of kind of going back to that person and and saying something to them or asking them to help you nine times out of 10, they're not going to say, no, I'm never going to help you. (laughs) At most, they might say, I'm a little busy today, but let me circle back in two or three days, and then I can chat with you. Most people are, are, um, happy to see students excel and they want them to have a really good experience because nobody wants to see a student kind of finish their term and say i really don't want to do what you're doing i can't yeah. wait to get out of here like that's not a win for anyone right and it's definitely not a win for the profession
0: it's definitely a topic we i think almost every episode we we bring it up either the guest brings up where i bring it up and really the idea that the worst someone can say to you is no and if they do say no then that's okay there are seven billion people on the planet, and and someone out there is willing to help you. And I think that goes for whether you're trying to network, whether you have a question, whether you know you are applying for a job that you don't think you're qualified for. Like the for worst sure. that could happen is no, sure. and it, it's something that I think I don't know. I don't think it's just my generation, but especially my generation, we're very scared of what people are going to think of us and being judged and doing something wrong or or failing and having people see that we failed, but really the only way you can move forward and to get to your goals and aspirations is by failing and is by making mistakes along the way, learning, meeting people on the way and having them help you get to your goal. Absolutely.
1: Like a failure is just an opportunity um, to change and, and try a different avenue. And frankly, I mean, I I've never been shy over the years to ask people for things. So I mean, one of uh, the friends that I have is an executive at a company and I met her at a cocktail party and then I followed up and I said I'd love to have coffee with you and ask you about your career because her career is so notable and it took her like a week or two but she replied and said yes um, I was at the hairdresser another time before covid and i saw the head of Citigroup at the time and she was getting her hair done and i had just seen her in a women of influence session and i kind of mustered up the courage to say to her like hi this is my name i'd love to have coffee and and she said so many different people have tried to approach her over the years but it's usually been awkward and that she'd love to have coffee and she's one of my closest friends now and she lives in in new york and so There's just opportunities everywhere, you just have to look for them. And you know what, there's no one who's successful, I think, um, who hasn't had something that hasn't gone their way, who hasn't had something unexpected happen, who hasn't been given um, feedback that has been constructive and hard to take, or potentially even negative. no no one's life or path is perfect. And so people understand that and people are cognizant of that. And I think in this social media world that we live in, um, there is even more attention placed on the pressures that young people are facing today in terms of expectations. And, you know, you look at Instagram, and I'm guilty of this too, your life looks entirely perfect because all the pictures are curated and, and, you know, nobody posts like the dark days or, or whatever else, but they're out there and people are experiencing them. And so people should, um, try to build on op- all the opportunities around them and, and not be afraid to be told no, or to fail. And really nine times out of 10, people don't say no, they may say I'm too busy, but they come, they come back around. Um, it's, it's very few people that that will actually shut down a request for help. Um, I, I don't know many people like that. So I, I assume the majority of of people are not like that.
0: It's so funny that you bring up social media. It was just last week. Um, so I was supposed to be on exchange right now on study abroad for oh. my school, but it was canceled due to COVID. And Sorry I was supposed to, to be that. studying in Madrid. That's okay. Thank you. And um, I had seen a video on Instagram and it was like, everywhere in Europe is shut down. So everyone's going to Madrid to party. Madrid is the number one spot right now. <laughs> oh, and no. I had said oh, to no. my mom, I said, Oh my gosh, look at this video I had just seen. And my mom was like, Stacy, that's Instagram. Obviously people are going to say that because they're there right now. You can have a party in the basement and be like, Toronto is the number one place to be in the world. Like yeah, it- it's absolutely. what it's, it's, all it's just, uh, yeah, it's perception. And it's, it's, it's perception. just reminding yourself that even, especially on LinkedIn, it's so easy to scroll through LinkedIn and only see the successes. And I think the platform is now getting a little bit better. People are starting to share more about the rejections they face to the struggles they've had in the workplace, but it's, it's a mental battle, and something that we're just kind of starting to see now the repercussions of social media in that setting. So from a student's perspective, not focusing on other people's journeys, I think is something that has really helped me and just focusing on what you can do every single day to show up, to be the best version of yourself, to, sure. to make small changes, to work towards your goals or to work towards what you want to accomplish is the best that you can do. And the only really thing you can do, because we spend time too focused on other people or too focused on someone else's journey, then you're really just missing out on opportunities that will better yourself or better you.
1: Absolutely. And um, I mean, speaking from from my own experience, when I was a student, I slowly started to do things like, um, you know, work on presentations or do the work behind a client seminar. And then I did the introduction. And then I spoke on the panel. and, And now I'm invited to speak on panels. And so, you know, if you were to just look at kind of where my profile is now, and not look at anything else, it looks like, you know, everything just kind of happened for me, but but it, it was a bit more intentional than that. And, and it took years to kind of build that profile. Um, and now information is shared a lot more easily because of LinkedIn and Instagram and all these different things. And there's positives and negatives to that. But it's definitely, you know, not something that you should let Uh, discourage you. I mean, I was on LinkedIn and I saw a young woman post something about the fact that she didn't have a whole bunch of successes, but that she's trying day to day to be the best that she can be. And she doesn't have a fancy job or or anything else. And I think there were like 40,000 likes on that post. It was authentic. It was real. It was relatable. Um, I hope that we'll see more room. We'll make more room for for people's journeys because, as I said before, there's absolutely no one who hasn't had no or failure said to them, um, and who's kind of picked up the pieces and and, and tried again. And so, um, it's something that I think we're all uh, cognizant of. The the older generation that didn't grow up with social media. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying I'm an older generation, but. I don't, I'm not super comfortable. I'm in my forties right now, but. No, you are
0: young. You look so youthful. You, oh, you don't look you. a day over 20. You're, you're a part oh, of, you're, so you're nice. part of
1: Gen Z. <laughs> That's very nice of you. I will, um, I will believe you. <laughs>
0: This has been such a great conversation and so insightful and you've brought so much passion and insights in, into law and a law degree and, and burnout. The last question I want to ask you is if there was one piece of advice you could leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given that's really stuck with you to this day?
1: I think uh, it's two things. Um, one is no one will invest in your career as much as you will. So if you don't actually invest in yourself, uh, or kind of create or build on opportunities, no one else will be incentivized to do so. And the other is, if you don't respect your time, nobody else will. So this goes back to kind of saying no and building boundaries and and making sure that you're not doing too much for too many people and kind of um, digging yourself into the ground so those two things are pretty simple concepts but they always come into my head still to this day I mean I've been practicing 16 years and they still cross my mind so those are my pieces of advice Um, of course I'm just always happy to chat with anyone too I get a lot of requests on LinkedIn and I usually reply to every single one of them. I'm always happy to talk to young people about anything.
0: And I think those two pieces of advice really tie together what our whole conversation was about and really tie nicely into you know, burnout and setting boundaries and really making small adjustments every single day to better yourself and to be the best version of you. So thank you so much, Layla, for coming on the show with us today. It was such a fun conversation and I'm so glad uh, we were able to hear more about you and your journey. So thank you so much again.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Good for you guys for having the podcast, and have a good night. Perfect.